Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, again, we just thank you. Thank you for all the men and women who have made that ultimate sacrifice so that we may come today and worship you freely, without fear. The ones coming in to overrun us or put us in prison for worshiping you today, Lord, because we have that freedom of religion. Thank you, Lord, for their great sacrifice. And Lord, we thank you of the one great sacrifice that gives us freedom from sin and death. The most precious sacrifice of all, the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, you grant us freedom in him because of the price he paid for us. Lord, thank you that we have salvation in Jesus. Now, Lord, open up our hearts and our minds today as we come to your word. Teach us, O oh Lord, to be faithful servants. Teach us how we can find success in serving you, ministry you have given us to do in our time on this earth. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. We're looking at verses 1 through 14 this morning. If you do not have your Bible with you or do not have a Bible, then I invite you to take one of the pew Bibles there in front of you and you can turn to page 853 in the pew Bible, 853. And if you don't have a Bible, then I want to invite you to take that Bible with you. That's yours. It is a free gift from us to you. We want you to have a copy of God's Word. Take it, read it, enjoy it. John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14 this morning. And just ask a question. Do you want to be successful in life? A lot of people want to be successful in life. In fact, I, I did a little, just a little search there on Amazon, just search success, and uh, there's over 60,000 books just on Amazon uh, on that topic of success. Uh, people want to be successful. I've never met anyone who didn't want to be successful in, in something. We want to be successful. There's an inward drive, an in, uh, inward drive in us that makes us want to do and succeed. And, and as Christians, we should want to see success. We should desire success. When, uh, the, with the mission that God has given us, we should want to be successful. God wants us to be successful successful uh, he wants his church to succeed in the ministry that he has given her and in today's passage we see that God provides us with a key principle a key principle for Christian success and here's that key principle without Jesus you can do nothing. Without Jesus, you can do nothing. 
You can do nothing of great value. You can do nothing of eternal value without Jesus. Oh yeah, you might can have worldly success. You can, might, can do a lot of things in the world, but without Jesus, you can do nothing of eternal value. That's what we're going to see here today. And, and from this one principle, we can see in our text three keys to ministry success. Three keys to ministry success. So I hope today that, that you see and understand how you individually can have success in your ministry and in the life that God has given you in the ministry that God has given you individually, and then also corporately, how we come together and succeed in the ministry that God has given us here in Bastrop and Morehouse Parish and really in our whole world. So let me just review here. If you haven't been with us, we've been working through these last few chapters of John. We started with the, the, uh, the trial of Jesus, the arrest and trial of Jesus. We've seen the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Now Jesus has uh, been resurrected. And we've worked through the whole resurrection narrative. At first, he appeared to Mary Magdalene. And then he has appeared twice to his disciples as a, a larger group. And today, this is the third time that he is, he is appearing to a, a large group of his disciples. Now, the disciples, in our text today, they've left Jerusalem. They've left Jerusalem. They've gone back north to Galilee. Now, this is per Jesus' instruction uh, John doesn't tell us this, but Matthew and Mark, both of their accounts, tell us that, that he gave instructions to, to Mary Magdalene to go and tell the disciples that he would see them in Galilee. He would see them in Galilee. Now, they didn't believe Mary. You remember, as we, we looked at that, they, they thought that her, her report was just, uh, she was hallucinating. She was seeing things out of the anxiety of her, her loss. So Jesus, he appeared to them while they were in Jerusalem. But now he's saying, I'm going to meet you in Galilee. So they have left Jerusalem and they've gone back home to Galilee. Now, you think about it, all these disciples, at least four of them are professional fishermen, right? Uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They were brothers. Uh, uh, Peter and Andrew are brothers. James and John are brothers. And, and the Gospels tell us that, that before Jesus came along, they worked hand-to-hand. -hand. They were partners in the fish, fishing business. And so if you're just sitting around and you're waiting for someone to show up, you don't know when he's going to arrive, you don't know when he's coming, but hey, you're, you're sitting around, you're waiting, and what does a fisherman do? He goes fishing, right? Brother Ellis said, amen, amen. A fisherman's going to go fishing, and, and that's what they, they do. So if you found your place there in John chapter 21, I ask you to stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's Word as we read our text this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. That's the Sea of Galilee. 
And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul in, haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. So today we see here three principles in our text to ministry success. Three principles are three keys to ministry success. That's really what this, this last little chapter of, of John is all about. And before this, he, he has established that the resurrection was real, right? He, he, he revealed himself to his disciples. They've, they've touched his hands and they touched his side. They saw that he was alive. He really was. It was really him. It wasn't a spirit. It wasn't a hallucination, but this was really Jesus. And so John has, has shown us this, and he's a witness to us for this. But now as he comes to a close of to the close of his book in chapter 21, his goal is to, to show the church now what they are to do and how they are to do it. Jesus has already told them they'll, they're going to be his witnesses. He's already told them the mission. Now he's going to show us how you're going to accomplish that mission. And so we see here then the keys to ministry success. If we're going to be successful and completing the mission that God has given us to take the gospel to the nations, 
to be his witnesses throughout the world, then we need to understand this principle. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. And we need to understand these three keys to ministry success. So the first key to ministry success is this. You must depend upon the Lord's power. You must depend upon the Lord's power. I want us to, to look there again. Look at verse, uh, start down in 4. Look at verse 4 and, and see what it says there. Just as day was breaking. Well, let me back up a little bit there. You notice there in verse 3. Here Peter and all of the other disciples with him, they've been out fishing all night long. Now, this was common in, in that day. That was typically what fishermen did. They would fish at night. That was the best time for them to catch fish. And then they would bring the catch in in the morning and take it straight to the market. That way, when all the people are out at the market, there's fresh fish. I mean, you want fresh fish, don't you? You don't want a day-old fish especially not in a time when there's no refrigeration. You want your fish fresh. And so they would fish all night, and they would bring the fresh fish into market to sell. And so that was kind of their plan. They were going out, and they fished all night long. Yet all night, these professional fishers, uh, fishermen, they caught absolutely nothing. Nothing, not a thing, not one, not even a, a small one. There was nothing to show for their night's worth of labor. And so morning comes. It, it's beginning to, to, the dawn is breaking, right? And, and so now they're kind of moving in. They're kind of headed back home, uh, kind of upset that they, they really had no, nothing to show for their night's worth of fishing. But as they, they come to the shore, as they begin to, to see the shore there, they see a man standing upon the shore. So verse 4, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Now we've seen this. There's something different about Jesus. There's something different about his, his resurrected body. It, it's pure. It's holy. And, and, and they don't always recognize him when they first see him. And, and Jesus has this ability to hide his, 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 himself, hide who he is from people and so they don't recognize Jesus and so Jesus asked them the question children do you have any fish now in the the Greek text it's, it's kind of worded a little bit different here in, in the Greek text it would be rendered something more along the lines uh, children do you have no fish do you have no fish it, it's a question that expects a negative answer so Jesus he knows they don't have any fish he knows they don't have any fish. He knows because he is omniscient. He knows everything. And he knows they're out there. They've been fishing all night. They have nothing. So he comes and he asks them, have you no fish to eat? I know you don't. Just say it. Just admit it. You have no fish. And they do. They say, oh, no, we, we have nothing. We have nothing. We can do nothing. Nothing without Jesus. But Jesus shows up, and what happens? Verse 6, he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will 
find some. Now, they've been casting off the left, off the right, off the other side of the boat and haven't caught a thing. But here Jesus comes and says, now just cast it off the right side of the boat. Cast it off the right side of the boat, and there you will find it. Now, uh, in, in other places, when, when Jesus first kind of met the disciples, uh, he told them this very same thing one night when they were out fishing. And, and he says, just put down your nets. And they question him, right? Just, just a little bit. Peter says, well, we've been laboring all night and haven't caught anything, Lord. But at your word, hey, we'll cast down the net. There's none of that this time. I don't know if they're just absolutely so give out tired that they, they just don't give up. I mean, they just give up the fight all, all together or what but but they don't question Jesus they don't know it's Jesus but they don't question Jesus they throw the nets over on the right side and what happens when they throw the when they cast the nets over on the right side uh, it says there uh, they cast the net over and, and because of the quantity of fish the nets were so full they couldn't even pick it up and put it in the boat they pulled it up to the side, but as they began to try to lift it up out of the water and put it into the boat, their, their boat probably started capsizing, and it was almost dipping in. The sides, have you ever been in a boat and, and the side almost dip into the side because someone leaned over on that side too much, and you see that water, oh, get, up, get back, get back, you're going to flood us out and drown us all, right? And, and that's what took place. They pulled up those nets, and it was about to sink the boat, and so they had to leave the nets in the water and drag it up manually up to the, the shore. Jesus comes along. They've been fishing all night, haven't caught a thing, but Jesus comes along. He says, hey, cast your, fit, cast your nets on the right side of the boat. They cast it on the right side of the boat. They follow his command, and they have so many fish they can't even get them in the boat. And without Jesus, dear friend, you can do nothing. You must depend upon the Lord's power. In everything that you do, in all that you do in life, you must depend upon the Lord's power. That means, first of all, you've got to depend on the Lord's guidance. You have to depend upon the Lord's guidance. That's what the disciples did. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat. They didn't cast them on the left side of the boat just to show him. They threw them out on the right side of the boat. They followed his guidance. Let me tell you something. That's the way it is for you in life. Dear friend, if, if God tells you to, to throw your nets on the right side of the boat, you better throw your nets off on the right side of the boat. If he tells you to do something, you better follow his command. You better follow his, his guidance. You must to follow his guidance. It goes much better when you follow his guidance. I remember when, we, when, I, when I surrendered to the ministry, I surrendered to the ministry late. I was 31 years old. had some school work to finish up before I could really get started. And so I finished up my bachelor's degree at Central Baptist College in Conway. And then I just felt like the Lord was leading me to go to seminary. Right after that, I needed to, to go on and, and get seminary knocked out. And so uh, Marybeth and I talked about it, and we kind of narrowed it down to, to two seminaries that were, they were on top of the list, right? First was DTS, Dallas Theological Seminary, a very prominent the, uh, seminary in Dallas. Um, I had a professor who went to school there, and so it was on top of the list. Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary was the second seminary on the list. And so Mary Beth and I made a plan. We were going to go 
one week, just at the end of the week, and we're going to go visit both of these campuses, one on one day, one on the next. And so that's what we did. The first one on the list was DTS, Dallas Theological Seminary. We went there that day, that first day. We got out on campus, and I mean, it was an amazing campus. It was an amazing school. They're very prestigious theological seminary. I mean, as we were walking through the library, I saw uh, J. Dwight Pentecost. I don't know if you know him, but uh, he was one of the authors of of some of the books I read in Bible college. I had seen his work, and and lo and behold, hey, there he was in in the library, in the bookstore. I was like, I was in awe, right? There's a famous theological guy, right? You you wouldn't get it, but that's me, right? here he was, and, and, and he teaches at this school. I was in awe, and, and, and I thought, man, this, this could be it. But then, at the same time, there's kind of like this gnawing little feeling, maybe. Mm, there's just something not jiving there, right? Mary Beth was really feeling it. Uh, when we got back to the hotel, we started talking about it. And just, just talking about over uh, about the school and everything. And, and she was like, oh, we can't come here. I, I can't live here. This is, this is just absolutely not it. This is not it. And I was like, what are you talking about? Man, this is, this is the school. We saw uh, Dr. Pentecost. I mean, what are you talking about? And, and, and we got in a little argument that night, right? We were kind of mad at each other. And, and she was thinking, how can you be so insensitive? And I was thinking, how could you be so unspiritual? That's kind of how it was. Uh, and so we, we, we kind of went to bed angry that night, mad at each other. Not too bad, but a little bit. Uh, but then the next day, we get up and we, we make the trip down to, to, over to Fort Worth. And, and we walk on the campus of Southwestern. And it was like instant. This is home. As we got, began to go through the seminary and talk to more people and, and, and view the apartments and stuff that they had there, uh, God just confirmed it more and more. This is where we're supposed to be. You know, the day before, if I'd have just listened to God's urging, this is not it. This is not it. This is not it. If I did have just waited, I could have avoided a little fight with Mary Beth, right? I could have. But God's guidance, he showed me where we were supposed to be. And, and yet, it was, there were still tough times, right? It was still tough. That was the first time we moved away from home, and, and school was hard. Life there was difficult. We were broke and all of that. It was still tough. But when we gave in to God's guidance, when we surrendered to God's guidance, there was peace. There was assurance. Dear friend, let me tell you, you've got to depend upon God's guidance. You've got to seek his guidance and follow his guidance through no matter what. You have to depend upon his guidance, but you also have to present, uh, depend on his production. You have to depend on his production. Uh, they, they throw, the, fit, they throw the, the nets over, and there, what happens? The, the nets just fill up with fish, 153. John gives us the exact number. There was 153. Now, why does he give us that exact number? Because that's what fishermen do. You ask Brother Elva how many fish he caught Friday, he can tell you the exact number. 
right? That's what fishermen do. John counted the fish. There was 150 big old fish in that net. He counted them, and, and it was God who produced that, that amount of fish. You know, when we, when we work and we do in ministry, when we go out and, and try to do the work that God has given us to minister to our community, to, to take the gospel to the community, we can be tempted to kind of manufacture the, the production ourselves, to manufacture the fruit of our labors ourselves. If we're not seeing the, the numbers that we want to see, we can be, be kind of manipulative, be honest with you. And we can do things that, that Scripture doesn't tell us to do. I, I've seen it happen in, in other places. We've got to be very careful at that. We've got to depend upon God's production. He will give us the fruit. He will supply the fruit for us. We just do the labor, trusting in His guidance. We depend upon His guidance and we produce depend upon his production we depend upon him bringing the fruitfulness of our ministry dear friend let me just tell you human effort alone is sure to fail let me say that again human effort alone is sure to fail ministry success only comes when we depend upon the lord's power when we depend upon his guidance let him guide us in the ministry that he has called us to do. And we must also depend upon his production, depend on him giving the results in his timing and in his way. So the first key of ministry success, you must depend upon the Lord's power. Second, you must pursue the Lord's presence. You must pursue the Lord's presence. Look there at verses 7 and 8. Uh, up there in 7, it says, that disciple whom Jesus loved, we've talked about this before, that's most likely John who's writing this book. That's his own uh, self-designated name for himself. Uh, that disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. He's always the one, right? We remember this from, from when they went to the tomb. He's the first one that kind of, it kind of, the light bulb comes on first. It's the Lord. And so he turns to Peter, it's the Lord. But then Peter's always the one who, who takes action. He's, he takes immediate action. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment where he was stripped for, for working and threw himself into the sea. It's the Lord. I'm gone. He's out of the boat. He's going to land. He doesn't care. He got his clothes soaking wet. I don't care. The Lord's over there. I'm going to go see the Lord. He is quick to act, and that's what he does. He takes off, and he goes and sees the Lord. Now, that doesn't say anything bad about the rest of the disciples. They come along with him. Somebody's got to bring in the boat. Somebody's got to haul in the fish. So the rest of the disciples, they come too. But they're coming to see the Lord, to be with the Lord, to be in his presence to be in his presence. They want to be in the presence of the Lord. There he is. I want to be with him. And they go to him. They run to him so they can fellowship with him. Oh, dear friend, you must pursue the Lord's presence. Oh, that's better than anything else. 
to be present with the Lord, to be with Him, to fellowship with Him. That's what we're here for today, is to be in the presence of the Lord. Now understand, this takes effort. It takes effort. Peter had to swim to shore. The other disciples had to haul in the, the catch and, and, and take the boat to shore. It takes effort to be with the Lord. This is a relational thing. Relationships take effort. Husbands and wives, relationships take effort. Amen? Amen. They, it takes work. It, it takes a lot of effort. You've got to put, put into a relationship. There's give, there's take. And you've got to do that hard work. If you don't, you're not going to have a happy marriage. If one person is doing all the taking and the other person is giving all the giving, you're not going to have a happy marriage. It takes effort on both sides. It takes work to make that marriage, that relationship work. It's the same thing with our relationship with, with Christ. It takes effort. It takes effort. We've got to get in there. We've got to do. We've got to work at it. We've got to pursue him. Oh, he's there to be found. He wants us to come. He wants that relationship with us. But we've got to take those steps to, to move towards him and to pursue him with our lives. It takes effort. It takes effort to pursue the Lord's presence. But it also, notice this though, it, it, it's great reward. It's such a great reward. When we do that work, when we put out that effort to pursue Christ, the reward is so great. We get to be in his presence. The presence of the King of kings and Lord of lords. To be in the presence of our Savior who died for us. To be in the presence of the one who is great. And glory. Oh, to be in his presence. Do you want to be in his presence? We've got to work at it. We've got to take that effort to, to pursue Jesus. How do we do that? If you're going to pursue the presence of the Lord, first of all, personally. Personally, if you're going to pursue the Lord personally, then that's going to require to, to spend time in God's Word. Personally, privately. Spend time worshiping Him. Spend time praying to Him. Yeah, relationship, right? Relationship, that's that two-way street. It requires communication between both parties. So we go in and we study God's Word. We make time every day to study God's Word. That's Jesus talking to us. That's the chief way that He talks to us. You say, well, I think Jesus is telling me this. I feel this, that, that Jesus is leading me here. I feel Jesus is leading me there. Uh, only if it's true in His Word. Only if what he's leading you to do is, is true to his word. I mean, you've got a lot of voices whispering into your ear. I think you should do this. I think you should do that. Not every one of them's the Lord. Oh, they may seem like the Lord. They may, they may come disguised, as the Bible says. They may come disguised as light. But that doesn't mean that's the Lord. Is what that little voice in your ear telling you to do? Does it agree with God's word? If not, that's not the Lord. That's the devil. 
If what that voice is leading you to is true to God's word, hey, maybe that is the Lord. But let me tell you, you're not going to know that unless you're in God's word. Day in, day out. Hearing him. Communing with him. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me, Lord, through your word. But then it also requires worship. Giving praise to God day in and day out. And then also prayer. That's where we speak back to God. That's our side of the conversation. Taking our cares, our concerns, our praises to Him through prayer. Oh, dear friend, if you're not spending time in God's Word and you're not spending time in prayer, you're not pursuing Christ. You're not pursuing that, that relationship with Christ. Pursue the presence of Christ. Study His Word. Worship Him privately. Worship Him yourself and, and pursue Him in prayer. But it also works corporately too. When we come together as a corporate body, I mean, our main goal as we come together here is to pursue the presence of the Lord. And it's the same thing. We come and, and we, it takes effort. We come to study the Word together, to worship together, to pray together. But it takes effort. You have to attend, right? You have to be here. So many people today, they have so many other things to do and they don't attend. They come every now and again. They come with when, it's, when it's, you know, convenient. But that's not pursuing the Lord. You've got to attend. You've got to be in church, to be with God's people. You've got to participate. You've got to participate. You have to come worship. And do, a, do your part in, in the worship. Sing praises when we sing. Pray when it comes time to pray. Come listening, ready to listen to the Word being taught. Oh, it takes time. And, and you have to come expectantly. You've got to come expecting to come into the presence of the Lord. Oh, but I want you to know that the reward is so great. When you attend faithfully, when you come expectantly, when you, when you participate in the worship with the corporate body, with the church, oh, Jesus shows up. Oh, man, I just, I, this morning as we were praising and worshiping God together, I just, I felt the presence of the Lord. What a wonderful feeling to know His presence. I know His presence even now. Oh, dear friend, we come to seek the presence of the Lord. And here's his promise. Here's his promise to us. When we seek him, we're going to find him. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20 says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Dear friends, Jesus is here today. Jesus is here today. Seek his presence. Seek his presence and you will know his presence. So the first key to ministry success, you must depend upon the Lord's power. Second, you must pursue the Lord's presence. The third key to ministry success, you must trust in the Lord's provision. You must trust in the Lord's provision. I uh, just want to go down there, uh, go to verse 9 there. When they got out 
on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And I want you to watch this now. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. The net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. You have to depend, you must trust in the Lord's provision. I want you to see that the Lord's provision, He provides for us. He provides for us. And the Lord's provision is significant. It is significant. For the disciples in this situation, there was 153 fish they had labored all night, caught nothing, and now the Lord, he, he provides 153 large fish. It points out they are large fish. Their, their haul was significant. And the Lord will provide, his provision is significant. Now that doesn't mean that, that he's going to give us all the money in the world, right? That doesn't mean he's going uh, to just unload on us and we're going to become healthy and wealthy and wise and all of those things. Not in this life. But his, his provision is significant. That means when you, when you have a need, he's going to meet it. And so often is the case that God will show out. He will show you how powerful he is. And when you think you're at your wit's end, when you think you're not going to make it, he shows up and, and what he provides is significant. It, it is without a doubt from God. I remember a, a preacher not too long ago or a friend of mine told me a story of when he had one of his first pastorates he went to. There was a man there that uh, his wife was an attendant of the church. She came to church, but the husband didn't. Well, he ended up building a friendship with this man, and ultimately he, he finally led him to the Lord. He came to the Lord. And so this man, we'll call him John. John started coming to church pretty regularly. But he told him, he said, now, now brother, I'm going to come to church, and I'll be here regularly, but uh, let me tell you, I'm not going to pay that stupid tithe. I'm not going to pay that stupid tithe. And so, all right, all right, well, that's, that's between you and God. I'm not going to pressure you on that. So uh, he just let it be, and, and time went on. And it came to a point where the preacher then, uh, one time he, he taught a lesson on tithing. And he challenged the people there in his church, just challenged me on this, just be faithful to tithe for, three, uh, for a month. Give for a month, tithe for a month, and, and if God doesn't bless you then, and you don't want to tithe anymore, that's fine, but give it a month. So here comes John, all right, pastor, I'm going to pay the stupid tithe for a month, but after this month, it's done. I'm not paying it anymore. So pastor prayed about it, and, and sure enough, John began to tithe that month, and 
And, uh, of course, right out of the boat, you know, the, the first week he paid in his tithe and, and he had two flats on his, on his truck. The next week it was something else. Something else, his, his car had a, a blowout or something. I mean, it was, it was like three, two weeks in a row, three weeks in a row. Uh, things just didn't work out. And he thought, ah, oh, yeah, it's a stupid tithe. Yep, mm-hmm, this stupid tithe. Finally, on that fourth week, he went ahead and paid that, that stupid tithe. And lo and behold, he went into work. He worked for a medical facility. It was a, a, a charitable medical facility, so they couldn't make a profit. And so he went into work, and, and they called him into the office and, and had a little meeting with all the workers, and they told him there that this year has just been outstanding. We have just seen, we have just made more money than we've ever made before. And I want to tell you what we're going to do. We, we can't, we're a chari- charitable organization, so we can't make a profit. So what we're going to do is we're going to give it to our employees. And you know how much it was? Way more than what he had been tithing. It made up more than that 10%. He figured out that stupid tithe, paying that stupid tithe, God provides. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Give as God has called you to give. Put him to the test. See if he won't bless you. Oh, you may not be rich, but he'll take care of you. He will take care of you every time. God's provision is significant. Also, God's provision is sufficient. God's provision is sufficient. As they pulled up the nets, Peter looked at the nets. I mean, I'm sure this fisherman, this large of a haul, he was expecting to see some tears in it, but when he pulled the the nets out with all those fish in it, there was not one single tear in all of the nets. God's provision is sufficient. Sufficient. It takes care of our needs. Nehemiah, in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah reminds us of how well the Lord provides for his people. In chapter 9, the Levitical priests were teaching the people of God, and they were reflecting back on the days when God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of the land of bondage. And they note there that even though the Israelites were faithless, They were faithless in their service to God. Yet, at the same time, God was faithful in his provisions for them. Nehemiah records in Nehemiah 9, 20 through 21, You gave your good spirit to instruct them, your people. You gave your good spirit to instruct your people. And did not withhold your manna from their mouth, and you gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness, and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. Oh, dear friend, we can trust the Lord for his provision. He will take care of us. I just think about right now, as this church gets ready to do some maintenance, some major maintenance. Man, that, that thing up, that roof up there, that ceiling's going to cost a bunch. 
Let's be honest, we're going through some lean years at the church right now. And as we face uh, having to do all this work, there's going to be some temptations to take some shortcuts and, and even worry. Will God provide? Will God provide? His provision is sufficient. He will, he will provide everything that we need. We just, must, we just have to be faithful to do what he's called us to do. So, dear friend, trust in the Lord's provision. Trust in the Lord's provision. His provision is sufficient and it is significant. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Depend upon the Lord. As Sue was reading there from John chapter 15, John chapter 15 verse 5 says, Jesus says to his disciples, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is who bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, you, dear friend, and I can do absolutely nothing of eternal value. Church, we must depend upon the Lord. We must depend upon the Lord. In everything that we do, we must depend upon Him, and He will be faithful. He will provide, and He will produce the fruit. We must trust in the Lord. For some here today, you come and you don't know the Lord. You come here today and maybe you're looking for something, but you don't know the Lord. You've been working and trying to find success in life, but maybe you've reached some level of success, but then you find out, well, that's not enough. It's never enough. Let me just tell you, you'll never find true success. Not the success you're looking for. Not the success that your heart yearns for apart from Jesus Christ. But I want you to know today that Jesus came and He gave His life for you. He died on the cross for your sin and your rebellion so that you might have life in Him, eternal life. And there's nothing to do but to trust in Him. Do you trust in Him? Will you trust in Him today? Will you give your life to Him? Oh, if you go out of these doors today and you die without knowing Jesus, you'll never know true success. You'll never know life in Christ. I plead with you today, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Trust in Him. Put your faith, your life in Him. He'll save you. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word you have given us, Lord. We thank you that as we pursue you, as we seek you, Lord, we know you want to be found. You're not hiding yourself. You're there. All we need to do is turn and pursue you. Oh, Lord, let us pursue you. Let us trust in all that you have for us. Lord, you make us successful in the ministry you have given us. And Lord, if there's any that do not know you, 
turn their hearts to trust in Jesus today. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with us if you will.